Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99 at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. Uh, before I open up for questions, I'll, I'll say this about uh, DeMar Hamlin. Um, man, it's a really personal thing for me, uh, being a Pittsburgher. And, and that young man, being a Pittsburgher, I've known that guy probably since he was about 12. Um, just got a lot of respect and love for him as a human being, um, his commitment to the pursuit of his uh, goals and dreams of doing what it is he's doing right now, which is playing in the NFL, and to watch him make personal decisions and, and, and make that a realization. Um, it's just an honor to get to know young people like that. I um, had an opportunity to express that to him whenever I see him. We've played Buffalo um, each of the last two seasons, and he and I get to have a moment um, because it's just cool to, to, to not only appreciate these guys in terms of where they are now, but to, to know them since they were younger people and to, to watch their maturation, their development, to watch them, um, you know, earn what they've been chasing. Um, it's just really a, a cool thing. And he's an example of that. I got a lot of love for that young man. We lifted he, him and that organization up in prayer, um, reached out to Sean McDermott to lend whatever assistance I could. Um, but um, I don't have a lot to add other than that. Um, I just respect the fact that you guys appreciate how personal it is for, for me, not only for me, but just for all of us um, as people that, that thrive in this space. Um, that's not obviously something that you ever want to see. Uh, welcome to Brother from Another, somber edition of Brother from Another. That was Steelers coach Mike Tomlin talking about DeMar Hamlin. And we all know that name now, Jim Trotter and Mike Florio. We know the name DeMar Hamlin. We didn't, a lot of us didn't know it uh, before last night. Scary incident in Cincinnati. You all saw it. Monday Night Football, Bills, Bengals. He makes the tackle. T. Higgins gets back up and collapses. And they're working on him on the field close to 15, 16 minutes, and we know now he suffered cardiac arrest and spent the night in the Cincinnati hospital. He's still in Cincinnati in critical condition. I just want to know from, from both of you who've uh, covered the NFL at a high level for many years, I'll start with you, Mike. Just what were your thoughts uh, when you saw that happen and you saw a very bizarre night unfold? Well, it's the first time that we have seen something like this play out as the focal point of our shared collective football watching experience with probably more than 20 million people, maybe well over 20 million people watching simultaneously on ABC and ESPN as this transpired. We know that the risk is there. We know that everyone who plays football accepts the risk of a very serious health outcome, but we rarely, if ever, witness it. We know it happens at lower levels of the sport. We've never witnessed it at the professional level like this, to this magnitude. There have been players in the past who have died. Chuck Hughes had a heart attack and died during a game in the 70s. Corey Stringer died of heat stroke in training camp in Minnesota in 2001. But this was one where it was a shared collective experience, highly traumatic for the individuals on the field, traumatic for anyone who was watching, anyone who plays football. There's a lot to process, and I think a lot of people are still processing it now. 
You know, Mike, there, there were so many levels to this for me as I watched. Initially, when I saw it, I was watching with my wife, and my wife said, um, I wonder if he has a stinger or something. Like there was a nerve impingement or something when he went back down. Never in the beginning did I think that obviously it was something this serious. And the first inclination that I got that it was something truly potentially um, catastrophic was the look on Josh Allen's face. I, I can't remember seeing something like that from a player during the course of a game. And that was when it hit me because obviously in the audience watching on TV, we don't know that they're giving CPR. We don't know that there's a defibrillator out. And so when I saw Josh Allen's face, I was like, oh my God, you know, um, this is far worse than anything I could have imagined or thought at that time. Looking back and looking, taking a 10,000 foot view, a couple of things that I, I was um, so thankful for was number one, that the teams gave these players the emotional space to deal with this. And by that, I mean taking them off of the field and, and not having this game go on. And I know that Troy Vincent has said that was never a consideration. But I thought that that was so important. And then the other thing, over the last five to ten years, there's been such a push for player safety that we have seen medical staff, the size of medical staffs, increase on a sideline. And so I thought for the medical personnel to be able to get to him that quickly, to be, to, to be able to address what was going on, and then, um, thank God, he was so close to a traumatic care center that was two minutes away. All of these things, I think, helped um, hopefully create a situation where, where he is going to be okay. Because had not all these medical um, personnel been there, had he not been this close to a, a critical care center, God knows what could have happened. Yeah, I, I, you're right, Jim. Uh, the stars, that's why I said the stars of the night really were the medical professionals who were put into a situation that you know, I, I guess as a professional, you're always, you always have to be alert and that anything could happen. Even if you're at a football game and it's Monday Night Football, you're a Bengals fan. I mean, think about what they people thought going into that situation. Hey, these are the two or two of the uh, three best teams uh, in the AFC and the winner of this game might wind up with the number one seed. This is great. What a moment. Even if you're a medical professional, you're looking forward to a football game. You don't know that this is going to happen. It's rarely happened in the NFL. I thought they did a wonderful job. On the flip side, I'm not here to point fingers, Mike, but I do wonder why it took so long to cancel the game. Not to delay it, not to postpone it. Am I being unreasonable? I, I think immediately the game should have been canceled. What do you think? My my belief is that they have protocols in place for situations like this. And Jim, I'm with you. I first realized this was more than the typical precautionary stretcher, backboard, immobilized, smart protocol. We see it happen once every two or three weeks. And 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 it's always fine. And so you just expect they're being precautionary. And when you see Josh Allen's reaction, it's like this is not the normal. We are taking every precaution in the interest of ensuring absolute positive, pristine health for this individual. There's something serious happening. And I think that people were just making decisions in real time, operating off of the standard manual. If, for example, and I don't know what it says, I don't know what the practice is, but I assume that after a certain period of downtime due to the time spent addressing 
an on-field injury, there is an allowance for a period to warm up and continue the game because that's what always happens. That's what football is. It's one big, giant football machine, and the players are parts that get broken, get removed, and another player gets put in, and it keeps going. 99.9% of the time. This is one of those instances where, no, wait a minute, we can't keep going. And I just think it took the human beings involved a period of time to come to that conclusion. And there probably will be reports that emerge, stories that are told, comments that come from players, coaches, other people connected to it as to how this happened. But I just think that it took time for folks to really get their brains around the idea that this isn't the standard situation of next man up. This is bigger. This is more serious. And these players cannot physically continue and mentally continue after what they've witnessed. Yeah, you know, Mike, I'll add to that. I, I think while we in the public may not have known or we may ask the question of why it took so long, I think the teams may have known a lot earlier than we knew that the game was not going to con- continue. Because in conversations I've had with union officials and others this morning, um, you know, some people have tried to characterize this as the players said, we're not playing. That was never the issue, as I'm told. What I was told is that there were conversations that were going on. Demora Smith talking to the player reps, then Roger Goodell talking to Demoris, all of these things. And it wasn't so much about the game. It was about the condition of the players, you know, their emotional welfare and whatnot. So, again, as Mike said, there are all these different protocols you have to go through in terms of not only player safety at that point, but for public safety in terms of if you're going to cancel a game and whatnot. So I think the teams knew a lot earlier than we knew. And, you know, I, I've seen some things out there where people have been critical of the league saying that the league told or, or the officials told them the players to warm up again. I have not been able to find that from anyone that I've talked to where the players were specifically told, go warm up again and thought you've got five minutes to warm up and we're going to play. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I have not been able to find that from anyone that I've spoken to. I just think, as Mike said, that's sort of standard operating procedure a lot of times after you have an injury. You know, just like in practice, whether it's training camp or practice, when a player gets injured, what do they do? They move you down to the other end of the field and life goes on. But this was much more serious. And I I think it would be unfair to the league to criticize the league at this point about why it took so long, because we don't know the background right now. Yeah, one of the things I'm encouraged by, just the response of people in a situation like this, as you said, Mike, you have human beings in real time and in, in football and in life, you don't know how somebody's going to respond until something happens and then they respond uh, the best way they see fit. So think about this. The fans in Cincinnati, I thought, responded great because it could be you, you, you never know how a group of people, you, you have 60, 70,000 people. You don't know how they're going to respond. I thought it was an appropriate response from the fans. I thought Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor really displayed some leadership last night. And I, I love this one, Mike. Uh, DeMar Hamlin has a, a foundation. He has this toy drive. He had a goal of reaching $2,500, a modest goal, $2,500. Millions of dollars have gone uh, toward that toy drive because there's been an outpouring of support and people trying to do anything they can from posting on social media to praying for DeMar Hamlin to uh, donating to his foundation. So I would say the, the good part of this is, is the is the response of the public. Oh, that part of it has been incredible. It's up over four and a half million. I just checked before we got started. 
And it's going to keep going up and up and up. We see this outpouring from time to time. And it all started with Bills fans. Remember a few years ago, the Bengals beat the Ravens to give the Bills a path to the playoffs. And Andy Dalton's foundation was flooded with donations from Bills fans. And then a couple of years ago, Josh Allen's grandmother died. Bills fans stepped up and made hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations in memory of his grandmother to the local children's hospital. This isn't just Bills fans. This is people all across the globe. But it is a great way for folks who feel helpless, for folks who care about football and care about the men who play the game, this is something that we can all do, whether it's publicizing it so folks can donate if they choose to do so or giving a little bit here, a little bit there, and it's added up to $4.5 million. And I, who knows? Who knows how, how much uh, is ultimately going to be donated because it's a way that I think we all feel helpless. It's a way that we can just just for a little bit not feel quite as helpless if we do something tangible to help. Yeah, you know, one of the things that, that struck me in this whole situation, too, in, the, in sort of the aftermath of when we knew what was going on is it reaffirmed that these are human beings and that these are not just players, faceless individuals behind a face mask. Um, and it crossed NFL lines. I mean, after the Warriors game last night, Clay, Clay Thompson scores 54 whatever. He sits down, and the first thing he does is is, is – talk about um, DeMar Hamlin on behalf of himself and his organization. And there is a brotherhood there. And, you know, I think about all the times that people go after these players for the, about their fantasy football league teams and whatnot and forget the human being that's actually behind that face mask. And something like this just, just humanizes the whole situation and, and hopefully brings people together and hopefully will give pause to those who – I'll say it, who act like idiots at times and treat these players as if they're commodities and not actual human beings. Yeah, and, uh, you know, DeMar Hamlin's uh, family putting out a statement. His family was with him last night, too. You think about that, coming down from the stands uh, to ride with him to the hospital in Cincinnati and to make sure uh, that he was going to be okay. And we'll keep checking for updates. The, the latest we have is, is, you know, this statement from the family and the knowledge that he is in critical condition uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, the uncomfortable part of this, uh, we know that the sport continues to march on, that there will be games. Uh, there will be games on Sunday and Saturday. And so we have to talk about the football aspect of it, Mike. And, and I thought about this last night. And, I, and honestly, I don't, I don't envy uh, the league in this situation. I can't think of a good solution Cincinnati on the field, Bengals, Bills, that game has playoff implications, not just for these two teams, but the Ravens are involved, uh, the Patriots, the Dolphins, everybody's at the Steelers, everybody's looking at, you know, what happens with uh, the Bills and Bengals, Bills and Patriots, the Chiefs are paying attention. What do you do? This game will not be resumed uh, this week. So what's the best way to handle this uh, from a league perspective, Mike? I think there's two possibilities. One would be to just cancel the game and go forward with the Bills and the Bengals playing 16, everyone else playing 17. You determine your seating based upon winning percentages. The league was prepared to do that with the pandemic two years ago when there was an assumption that multiple games would be lost to the COVID outbreak, and we'd have to compare win percentages to determine the playoff trees. So they've at least crossed that bridge mentally within the league office. The other thing to do, and I don't know how practical this is, but 
They could do what happened back in 2001 after 9-11 when week two was simply wiped out and tacked on to the very end of the regular season schedule. It became week 18. All the games to be played week two were played in what became week 18. So you would play Bills-Bengals this weekend as the only game to be played. Week 18 would play out during what is now wild card weekend. Everything pushes back and you just remove the two-week lag between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. I don't know how practical that is, but if there's a commitment to get the game played, that's the only way to do it. Now, that said, guys, will the Bills and Bengals be ready to play any game this weekend? That's the separate issue. And will the Chiefs and Raiders be ready to play on Saturday or the Jaguars (laughs) or Titans? This is a collective NFL trauma that I don't think we appreciate or even understand the depths of it. It's going to take another day or two or longer to even know whether or not guys are going to be in the right mindset to play football, even if they don't play for the Bills or Bengals. That's a great point. point, If I can speak to that point, I was just with LaDainian Tomlinson a few minutes ago, and he told me if he were actually playing, he doesn't think he would be ready to play a game this weekend. His mind just isn't there. So I'm sure Hmm. as a former player, he speaks for a lot of players in that sense that their focus is not on football right now. And here's the other thing. You know, we we talk about the the, the mental health of the players in terms of dealing with this and whatnot. Think about all the loved ones you have to deal with who are worried about you now going out on that field this weekend and playing again and how you have to put them at ease that it's going to be okay. There's a lot involved here. So like when LaDainian or someone else says to me, you know, I just don't think I can be ready to play a game this weekend. That's real, and that's something that the NFL has to deal with as well. You know, it's a great point about um, you know 2001 and, and what the league did in that situation, 9-11, obviously not just a, a league-wide and a sports trauma, but that's a worldwide trauma, uh, particularly in the United States. But it happened in September, so they were able to think, okay, this is how it will affect the Super Bowl. We're in September. The Super Bowl is going to be in February. So we can think ahead. Now you're in January making a decision uh, that will affect the Super Bowl that's just next month. Is that enough time? I wonder if they look at it and say, yeah, it's a great plan. But if we back this thing up, how does that affect everything else that we have in place? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, As I said, I I don't really have a a great answer for this. Mike, I think maybe the best way to go is I I like your your plan. And you said the league is already was already prepared to do this. Maybe it is a winning percentages because you can't tell the Bengals and, and Bills, hey, go back out there and play the game. Forget about everything that happened. They can never, they'll never forget that. So you probably have to just move on from this game. And fortunately for the league, you have two good teams. You didn't, you didn't have one team that's very, very good and the other team that is just scratching and clawing just to make the playoffs. They're two good teams. They're going to make the playoffs. They're already in the playoffs. So now I guess that makes the decision a little bit easier, Mike. I I agree with you. Last night, Jeff Miller, the league's chief PR executive, said that decisions will be made, discussions will be had at the appropriate time. The reality is the time is passing in a way that will make the decisions for the league. It just gets to the point where it's not practical to play the Bills and Bengals this week, and the league has already announced they won't play this week. Well, if they don't play this week, when are they going to play? The Bills are due to pay, uh, play the Patriots on Sunday, and the Bengals are due to host the Ravens. So I just think that game isn't going to happen. The only way that game happens is if they would push everything back. I, I can't think of any other solution. And all of that presumes 
that any NFL player will be ready to go on Saturday mm. when the Chiefs and the Raiders are supposed to play. And Jim makes an excellent point. You know, we've been talking so much about Tua Tonga-Bailoa in recent weeks and how there's got to be tension and, and real discussion in his family as to what his future should be. Every guy that plays now is going to be dealing with those conversations because the terror that we saw resulting from what happened to DeMar Hamlin is now something that we see can happen to any player at any time. And it's just something that, because it was unprecedented, you really don't think about it. Well, now it's something for people to think about and worry about. It's a lot to process in four days. And, and what do we always right. say, too? Video matters. This is an incident that took place in prime time in a game that everyone was waiting on. If this had happened on a Sunday, you know, um, 10 a.m. game, West Coast time or whatever, it might be a little different because not the, the whole world isn't watching at that point. You know, it's a regional game, that sort of thing. This was right in everyone's consciousness, right in their face and that sort of thing. So it hits even harder from that standpoint in terms of all of these emotions that everyone is dealing with at this point. So I'm with Mike. I don't, I don't see how you play this game again. And I think in a best case scenario, you do push everything back a week or eliminate that, that two week period in the Super Bowl. And the reality is here, Mike, to Mike, you're never going to make everyone happy, no matter what you decide. So simply do what's right and do what's best. And you live with the consequences. That's the way I, I look at it at this point, because someone is always going to complain. Someone is always going to believe they got the short end of the stick or whatever. Just do what's right. Period. Yeah. Second. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say secondary point is, Hey, what does the league do? But the primary point, and you guys have done a great job, a uh, very eloquent job of, of really stating the issues. What happens with DeMar Hamlin? We, everybody is uh, praying and, and hoping that he gets better and that his family uh, is supported as they try to support him uh, in this, this very this scary moment for, for his family and for uh, the sports family. Really, like the, any, any sports fan. I don't care who you are who your primary team is, you're looking at DeMar Hamlin and, and you want him to pull through this because that's all that really matters right now. Uh, Mike Florio, appreciate you. Uh, check him out. Check him out on uh, Football Night in America, profootballtalk.com, Pro Football Talk Live. You do a wonderful job of dealing with my brother, Chris Sims, uh, a, a few times a week. It's not easy. We appreciate you, man. I know it's not. I know <laughs> Thanks, it's guys. Not. Good to see you. Thanks, Thanks for having me, guys. Right. Have a great day. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. You know, Jim Trotter, you may not remember this. Uh, we did a podcast, Michael Smith. You remember Michael Smith, don't you? Uh, <laughs> Michael Smith and I, uh, we did a podcast with you and Steve Weish. And uh, this, is early, this is really early, in the early days of Brother from Another. And I said to you during that podcast, something to the effect of, I've never been more real on a show. If this is the this is the most honest I've ever been. This is the most comfortable I've ever been in my career doing this show. And you said, you know, why is that? And I, and I really didn't give you a great answer, but I, I knew that was I knew that was an accurate statement. I wasn't sure why it was an accurate statement. And I think I know better now. It's uh, it's like minded people. It's it's no filter. Nobody's hovering and telling us what we can and cannot do. It's a great working environment. It's people I know outside of a sports realm that I work with people I truly care about and love. And so that makes a big difference. And we can talk about anything. We talk about anything without really tiptoeing around it. So I'll tell you, I'm going to share a conversation I had with uh, our producer, Gary Carter, uh, probably like around 145, 150. So roughly, you know, a couple hours ago, not even a couple hours ago. And he said, are we really going to do feeds today? It just feels wrong to do feeds today. It feels wrong to talk about anything beyond DeMar Hamlin. And I said, I understand that. And we all want the best for DeMar Hamlin. But we also are, we got a, we got a job to do. We have a show to do and not that if we do our show, that doesn't mean we're being disrespectful to DeMar Hamlin. And he was uncomfortable with it. We went back and forth. That was a, a healthy conversation. There's no consensus. I mean, he feels how he feels. I feel the way I feel. I'd like to know how you feel. Right, do you feel and, and not just this show, any other show? Because I heard Dan Patrick earlier and Patrick said, well, we're going to do it's not going to be perfect. So we're going to do our show today pretty much what you expect our show to be and we may not get it exactly right, but we're going to do it because the train continues to move and we do recognize the gravity of the situation with DeMar Hamlin and we'll talk about it, but we'll also do a show and it's a tricky point. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. I just wondered. Yeah, I think it's a good conversation. What do you think? Yeah, one of the things and and before I hit that and talking about, I think why you feel so comfortable with the show too, is at least from my perspective, I'll speak me being on this show is that there's a respect factor as well for differences of opinion. And you know that if we don't agree on something, the one thing we know is that we all come from a good place, regardless of what we're talking about. And so we respect our differences, so to speak. And, and, and that plays for me a big role in terms of comfort level. Um, as it relates to this story, it's funny you say that. I was having a conversation with someone because we were today recording um, 
a show on the announcement of the Hall of Fame finalists, right? And the show is supposed to air tonight. Well, it's being delayed until tomorrow because of what took place. And we were having a discussion about it, and I said, you know, in no way do I mean to be insensitive here. I, I, I pray for DeMar just like everyone else and his family and everything. But life isn't going to stop because of this. So we can do two things at once. We can pray for DeMar, hope for the best for him, and cover that story as news warns and still do the other things that we have to do. Um, in terms of last night's coverage, as great a job as ESPN did, I remember saying to my wife, man, this is getting uncomfortable because they keep putting these people on air with no advancing of the story. And so you're right. essentially saying the same thing over and over and over, and you could tell that they were uncomfortable. But yeah, they were. You fill, yeah, you had to fill that time. So I, there's a part of me that feels that way now. If we don't have anything to advance the story, how much more can we continue to talk about it until there is news, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and that was... I was part of the conversation last night too. It's it's interesting that you saw it that way. I did too. Look, and, and look. This is what we, we know this, and maybe it, maybe the people watching and listening on Sirius XM channel eighty five, watching on YouTube, uh, PeacockTV.com, maybe the people who are not in the business don't understand how critical networks are of one another, how critical media people are of one another, critical slash competitive. Uh, in any way you want to describe it. So uh, as ESPN is doing his coverage last night, certainly being judged by CBS, NBC, Fox. Okay, how did they do that? And I, I watched it and I said, okay, you know what's happening to them? They're stunned. They're stunned and they're a step slow because they're stunned and they are not thinking like journalists. And, and, and I guess that would happen to all of us. That could happen to all of us because you're a human before you're a journalist, I hope. So you're thinking, oh, this is, this is awful. I've never seen anything like this before. But you still have a job to do, and the, the job is to think, okay, what do I do? Do we have anybody? Do we have a reporter uh, on the scene in a hospital at Cincinnati? Do we have a reporter in the stands? Do we have a reporter outside the locker room? What can we do? What do we know? Can we get doctors on the phone? Can we get, we have a roster of uh, former players and former coaches and former executives who can give us perspective and context. Are we lining them up to talk? They were a step slow on that. And then yeah, eventually they got, they, eventually they got there. But in the, in the beginning, I think like a lot of people, it was, it was stunned. They were stunned into speechlessness at times and silence. Yeah, I, I, I think they were stunned, but I also believe that there was an element of we don't want to speculate because, again, there were so few details. And so even if you have a Rolodex with medical people and whatnot, we for a long time still, we still did not know what exactly happened to him. So if you were to go to this, this medical Rolodex and you bring these people in, and now, this is just my opinion— you're getting into that gray area of speculation without any detail because we have not heard from any medical professionals about exactly what took place. 
We just know later we found out that they had administered CPR and they had brought out a defibrillator. And so I know on Twitter you had cardiologists and others who were putting things out there. But man, that's a that's a slippery slope without details from the people who are actually involved. So there's a part of me that wonders if ESPN was being prudent in terms of waiting rather than going and getting these professionals again without knowing the exact details of what took place. Well, you said advancing the story. It's a, it's a tough it's a tough place to be because if you can't advance the story, okay, if you're not going to advance the story and you're not going to bring anybody in. What are you doing? And that's why. <laughs> right. No, but that, really. Okay. Exactly. Right. What are you? What are you doing? No. And that's why I say it got uncomfortable last night, because as you say, these were humans who were concerned about Demar's health, right? Yeah. And 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 you know, praying for the best, and short of details to explain exactly what happened, other than the the play itself. What else do they do? You know, and, and I believe it was it was Booger or it was Adam who at one time said, you know, um, all we can do is pray. And there's yeah, really not was, much else to say at this point. That's right. Yet you still have a job to do, which is to fill that airtime. It, it, it was a tough spot. And this is something I think you and I both um, teach. And I think this is the type of situation that will be talked about in classes in terms of coverage. And how do you go about covering a situation like that? What do you do? And if nothing else, what it also does for the other networks is, if they are smart, is that what do you do? It's just like if you want to be a head coach one day. When you're on the sideline or things take place, you try and put yourself in the shoes of the current head coach and say, yes. what would I do in this situation? And I think every network and the league going forward as well will now say, if we find ourselves in this situation again, what do we do? How do we handle it? If there will be discussions, which I think are positive. Yeah, and I think and it's also uh, to go even further inside baseball slash football to go further inside. Uh, I think this is why you want to have in, in every situation. I, I guess, you know, we all have fun. I mean, it's, 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 it's fun and games. A lot of people, you know, are paying attention to sports and covering sports because they don't want to get involved in all this stuff. And like, I right. remember uh, uh, my, my, uh, my second internship was in uh, Cleveland at the Cleveland Plain Dealer. And I, I remember the managing editor, cause I was begging for an internship, begging, give me an internship, please, please beg you. She's like, okay, I, I have good news and bad news for you. She said, um, said, um, here, here's the bad news. You want an internship in the sports department, and I'm not going to give it to you. Mm. Now, you are not allowed. She said you're not allowed to go to the sports department. I said, oh man, okay, really. So the good news is you're going to get an internship in news. You have to cover news because you never know what's going to happen. You really want to be a complete journalist. You have to cover the Preach. news when it happens. Preach. So Preach. that was my. I was covering cops. I was covering city hall. I was covering school committee meetings, fires, drownings, some really some unfortunate things. And okay, it was good experience. But then after that internship, I said, now I know I really do want to be a sports reporter. <laughs> I don't know if I want to spend my life doing this. But if you need to do it, you got to be able to handle it. And so I would say if you're a network, hire people who understand the news, even if they're in sports, 
who have news judgment and know what to do and know what to say in the phone calls to make when something happens. I'll go back uh, to, to, to your area. Uh, go back to the Bay Area, um, Trotter. Late 1980s, Al Michaels was the first word on this. Remember the earthquake? 1989 Absolutely. World Series, A's, Giants. I think we're having an earthquake and then power goes out. He was, you don't, you, you don't have time to get, oh, we're going to get our news people on the scene. You may not be able to get them there. Al Michaels is your news person. The, your broadcast, your play-by-play person, your commentator may have to be your news operation until reinforcements come. No, I mean, if we're talking about this from a journalism standpoint, I think you're absolutely correct. There's a reason why when I was in college, 75% of our coursework was outside the School of Communications. Why? Because all these other things come into play. I remember they told me I had to take economics. They told me I had to take uh, uh, chemistry, anatomy and chemistry. They told me that um, I had to take all these different courses. And, I, and I'm like, why? I, I want to be a sports writer. I'm not worried about, you know, um, um, economics or, or anatomy and physiology and all these different things. And then what happens? You go on a beat and you start covering it. And all of a sudden, what are you writing about? Contracts. So you're talking about economics or you have injuries. All of a sudden, you're talking about anatomy and physiology. You know, so all these different things now come into play. And it, and it wasn't until I actually got into the field that I understood that. The other thing I remember, we had um, fires in Northern California, crazy wildfires, right? And um, one of our reporters was up in the Bay Area covering an event. And so he starts covering these fires for our, our newspaper. And I remember there were people at the newspaper who were like shocked, like it was a big deal that a sports writer was actually writing news, you know, on fire. And I'm like, it's a journalist, you know? And that's what we're supposed right. to be first and foremost. We're not supposed to be a sports writer. We are a journalist who happened to cover sports. And so um, I laughed like during elections when all of a sudden it's all hands on deck and pizza's being brought in because they're working on deadline and that sort of thing late at night. I'm like, we do that every night. You know? <laughs> That's so, right. Yeah, that, that happens. Not a yeah. yeah. So, that you know, is. look, I, I think you're right. I, I think, and that's why I always preach in terms of news desks, in terms of senior management in the newsroom and all these things that you need different people um, from all different backgrounds, all different races, all these other things, because all of those different life experience, all those different perspectives and everything else come into play at a time where you might not be expecting it and it's invaluable. So um, I'm with you on that point, you know? See, I told you, uh, Jim, uh, can I tell the people before we start the segment, I said, Jim, uh, just, I'm not going to tell you what we're going to talk about, but you're going to have an opinion on it. He said, man, like, wh why are you trying to do this to me? I said, don't trust me. Trust me. You'll be fine. So Jim, of course, as usual, uh, smart stuff. You can't help it. You can't help yourself, man. You, you, you take on a topic and you make it make sense. Let's take a break and come back and uh, talk to some more smart people here on Brother from Another. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Lead story, not just in sports, but really uh, in the country, particularly last night, Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin. uh, You saw it playing the Bengals last night. He made a tackle of T. Higgins. He got back up. He collapsed. Uh, We know now uh, suffered cardiac arrest, taken to a Cincinnati hospital where he remains in critical condition. And we will give you any kind of updates. We get any new information we get. We will present it to you. Uh, right now, I told you before we went to the break, we're going to bring in more smart people to talk to on Brother from Another, making her Brother from Another debut. This is exciting. We got uh, Rita Hubbard here. Rita, thank you for joining the show. How are you doing today? Happy New Year. All that good stuff. Happy New Year. I'm, I'm doing great despite, you know, the things that we seen last night, but thank you for having me. Uh, of course, and and you know, heard Jim uh, weigh in on this. We talked with Mike Florio earlier. Just their initial thoughts of wondering uh, what you thought when you saw it, and and any additional uh, thoughts you've had since uh, that scary moment last night. Um, so first of all, of course, I I want to express my condolences and, and pray that uh, Hamlin has a full recovery um, because what we saw last night was very scary. And anytime you hear the word CPR and AED, I'm not a medical expert, but I know what those things mean. And I know what um, is a result of those things. So immediately, I mean, it it went from, oh, you know, I just thought that maybe he had some wind knocked out of him or something like that to, wow, this is really serious. And when you start looking at the reaction of the guys, you know, on the field, the bills and you know, how they were crying, you knew it was a really serious matter. And so, um, you know, I had a lot of feelings because, you know, you keep hearing Joe Buck saying something about the five minutes, you know, five minutes and, you know, allegedly people that were at the game said that they said it over the loudspeaker. And, And look, I understand that was probably a protocol situation, but it really looked bad in the moment because this clearly was not a normal injury. Um, And then when you find out later, you know, that he did go to cardiac arrest, you have to, you know, it it just really was crazy how the whole sequence of events happened. I'm glad that the coaches stepped in for their players and said they can't go on and do this game um, because it would have done a disservice to everybody there. The, The fans, the people, us watching, how would we have been able to move on and watch a football game after we watched what we saw? So I'm really glad that the players and the coaches stood together and said, we are riding for our brother. That's the only thing that we're concerned about right now. 
and that the league, you know, eventually did the right thing, which was cancel that game. Rita, when you see something like this, does it at all change the way you watch the game or think of the game? Hmm. There's so many examples. It's just another example. You know what I mean? It's just another example of how, like, you love a game so much, but then there's just so many things about it that just makes you wonder, what is it about this game that you love so much? We know how dangerous football is, and so for whatever reason, we love it. And this isn't even the first example. I mean, a lot of us saw what happened to Ryan Shazier, who also gave his condolences online. We've seen numerous, you know, head injuries, numerous regular injuries. And, and, and we're so, you know, we're equipped to just move on. And I don't know how we've gotten to that point, but, you know, that's just something that we've been able to do. So it's really just been something that I've always felt. And then, but then last night really just once again, put it into perspective of what is it that we love so much about this game that we're, we're able to continue to watch this after everything that we've seen. And it's, it's really a good question to have that. I honestly, I don't have the answer for, for myself. Yeah. At this moment. It, it's, it's a great question. It, it's a great question. And Jim, I think we've talked about it before from a different, uh, we were in a different room having a conversation because we were talking about the league and, social justice and how we're like, wait a minute, they say all these things. It takes all of us yet. Uh, there's some hypocrisy. There are some inconsistencies. Your, your actions aren't matching up with your words and your phrases. Why do we still continue to support the game? And we said, Hey, we love it. We love the athleticism. We love the stories. We love the passion of the athletes. Is that it? I mean, maybe it's even after something like this, guys will say, well, this is what I wanted to do since I was six or seven years old and I'll continue to do it. And we're inspired by their love for the game. Is, is it like, is it the entertainment of it? What Jim, what do you think it is? Cause I, I really don't know. It's a great question. Well, uh, there are a number of different layers to that, that question, I think, and a number of different reasons why we love the game. We, we love the camaraderie. We love the competition. We love the fact that we can go out as kids and play it and then try and apply what we do to what we see the elite of the elite do, all those sorts of things. And then, and, and look, sports is tribal, as you know. You know, it brings communities together many times in ways that other things can't. So there are a lot of layers to it. The, the reason I ask that question in part is, will it change the way that people look at these athletes? Because too often, as I said earlier, we view them as commodities they're here to entertain us we don't think about them as human beings go back to to the college football game over the weekend your ohio state kicker miss and i'm sorry to to bring that pain up to you michael but he misses a field goal and what do people do all of a sudden you know that he's got threats online and this that and the other and it's like it is and that's outrageous and it's just outrageous it's so sad it's so pathetic and to add to more to the And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but to add to that as well, you know, apparently Caleb Williams uh, didn't go to the podium. And um, I just so happened to go into this tweet about it and the reaction that I saw from people about a college kid, all because he retweeted something about Max Duggan with an LOL. I mean, look, whether you consider his tweet to be right or wrong, he's still a college kid. He doesn't require the type of response that you give to him. They were calling him everything but a child of God. And and I, these are adults. And that's the part that I just don't 
understand we do we love the game we love what comes with it but the intangibles and 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 the other things that come with it are the things that we don't love and i i think it overrides you know the, the love that we have for the actual sport overrides the other things but you do have to wonder how long is that going to go into play? Because to answer your question, Jim, no, I don't think that what happened last night will generally humanize these players. I think that that's, I think it's a case by case situation. And that because yeah. of what that transpired to be, we humanize that young man. I don't see that that necessarily being the case for how we look at injuries and how we look at players overall, if they just, if they screw up or if they get injured moving forward, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a great point, Rita. I, I agree with you. Um, and it is, and as you said, case by case. You know, the, the response to DeMar Hamlin has been tremendous from the toy drive to people reaching out to the game, the players and coaches saying, nope, nope, uh, we're not doing this. We're done. And this is a guy, I, I'm sure if you're a University of Pittsburgh fan, uh, if you're a Western Pennsylvanian, you've heard that name before. But, but a lot of us, and a Bills fan, obviously, but a lot of us never heard of DeMar Hayes just in his second year in the league. Uh, this is his first really breakout season. A lot of us didn't know him before last night, and yet the response has, has really been lovely. I, I want to ask you this, uh, Rita. Uh, this weekend, supposedly, unless something changes, uh, it's going to be a Ravens-Bengals game for the AFC North. The eyes are going to, the eyes of the league going to be on, on the Ravens and Cincinnati again. Second, uh, second week in a row, Cincinnati uh, last night, Cincinnati and the Ravens on Sunday. What do you think that atmosphere will be like based, you know, based on what you know about uh, Ravens fans and uh, the passion for this team? What do you think that response is going to be like? I mean, it's in Cincinnati, so the response is going to be great there. Um, but if you're asking me the the temperature of the, the Ravens flock fan base, it is not one of uh, that is very good right now. It's very cold over here uh, because Tyler Huntley has played, you know, the last four and a half weeks. So um, the Ravens offensively are, are nothing without Lamar Jackson, quite frankly. And if Lamar does not play on Sunday, then the, the trend will continue. Um, I, I looked up the stats, and in the last four games, they scored three offensive touchdowns, three. Um, so they've been scoring off of field goals. And, you know, this NBC also brought up the fact of uh, when Lamar plays, they average 28 uh, points per game, but when he doesn't play, they average 18, and that's par for the course what they have right now. Um, they're not well-equipped on offense from a skilled player position outside of Mark Andrews and the running backs. Um, their defense, you're asking them to do too much because you can't score offensive points. So over here, it's gloom and doom. <laughs> now with the but, but Rita, that, to, to, to the point of what we are talking about today, Lamar has been out and I wonder, these players or these, I'm sorry, the public who views athletes as there for their entertainment, have you seen any change in how they view Lamar and the fact that he is, has missed these recent games? Post-Hamlin or just no, generally? No, no. Just generally. So, you know, it's funny because... Well, let me, let me if, I, if, I, if I could, let me give you this as background. So okay. unsolicited, unsolicited, I had a player stop me over the weekend and say, Lamar is not coming back this year. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, 
if he has a PCL injury, as they say, and if it's a grade two sprain, he said, I suffered a grade two sprain in week one. And he said, I'm still not right. And the only reason I came back this weekend is because we had a shot at the playoffs and I wanted to try as best I could to be there for my team. Yeah. So, so that's why that's the context of me Mm. asking that question to you. Wow. Is that if that is the injury Lamar has, this player is telling me I have the, I have the exact same thing and I'm still not right 16 weeks later. Yeah. And the thing that the thing that bothers me the most is that we're, you know, you have different people inputting their opinions about the situation because you have a lot of people that are saying Lamar is quiet quitting and he's not playing because he doesn't have a new deal and all of these things. And, you know, I wouldn't play if I were him. And then you have people who are saying, you know, Lamar, he can can't be asking for all of this money. This is the second year in a row that he's not played down a stretch. And, you know, he's not, you know, cause there were some rumors swirling around that got debunked, but there was rumors going around that he wasn't showing up uh, for his treatments and, and things. But, you know, ultimately I, I think this is so disrespectful. Why do you think that Lamar Jackson, a guy who has never shown you anything less of being a competitor, would do any of those things willingly. And the Ravens are in the playoffs. As good or bad as they look, they're in the playoffs. It's nothing they can do about it. For one second, why do you think that Lamar Jackson would not want to be out there with his teammates to try to win a Super Bowl? If anything, that increases his stock in order to get a new contract for more guaranteed money that in which he's asking for. So I don't know why people have come up with these weird, you know, suggestions about what it is that Lamar is doing. I agree. I think that he's not healthy. And that's where we are. I think it's nothing more, nothing less. But for whatever reason, well, it's not for re- for whatever reason. He doesn't have a new contract, and we know that. And it's very possible he's mm. going to be tagged this offseason. We're creating these scenarios that, you know, try mm. to make sense of all of this. Instead of just saying, okay, he's hurt, and he can't play. It's, it's that simple to me, you know? Well, I'm going to tell you, Rita, uh, you have made a lot of sense. You have made a lot of sense in your brother from another debut. This is the first appearance of many. Great job. We love hearing from you. And uh, you, uh, look, just come on by. Come on by. Like okay. we, we said to everybody, just swing by. Just swing by. Hey, I'm in the neighborhood. Swing on by. You can't tell me the stuff like that because I am the person that will pop up. Okay, well, come on. <laughs> pop up then. <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. 
You know, Jim, I, I, you'll be surprised to hear this from me. I'm disappointed that the Ohio State kicker was getting a lot of pushback on social media. I was proud of him. I was proud of that team for coming within a point of upsetting the undefeated Georgia Bulldogs. How about that? You want to talk about humanity? I see the moral humanity. Victories? Michael Holly happy with a moral victory? What is moral victory. On? Hey, come on. I'm growing. I'm evolving. Thanks, Jim. Mm -hmm. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.